0: Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too. And I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up and listen in. I'm so excited to be here today with Rosa Lee, the CEO and founder of Wild Wonder. Rosa, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Alessandra. So wild wonder, it's a drink. Um, I guess I didn't, is that I didn't really, um, explain that when I (laughs) first said that, but tell us, tell us, I, I want, I like people to hear it from your own words. Tell us what wild wonder is and how it came to be. Yeah, definitely happy to share and super excited to be here. Um, so growing up,
1: my Chinese grandma brewed these healing tonics with wild herbs and plants that were really great for my health. Um, so every time I came home from school, she would just greet me with a cup of tea. I actually grew up with my my grandma um, in Beijing. um, So the first 12 years of my life. So um, her tonics really worked wonders, uh, soothing my stomach, lifting my spirit. And that's when when I learned the philosophy of food as medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, So Wild Wonder, um, I guess in brief, is a Heritage inspires sparkling drink for gut health. Um, and the reason I started working on this is, you know, after working many stressful jobs in finance, I started my career in investment banking and private equity. I actually started running into health issues that all stemmed in my gut. So I got my microbiome tested and, and became a true believer in gut health. Um, so after business school, I really wanted to work on something I'm personally passionate about, and that is around food and the philosophy of food as medicine. So all these, you know, the homemade tonics that grandma brewed for me really worked wonders on my overall health. And I just felt... It was the perfect opportunity to apply a modern twist on ancient wisdom. So Wild Wonder is a delicious and bubbly drink that combines gut healing superfoods, such as prebiotics and probiotics and whimsical flavors. So I like to say it's rooted in culture and tastes like a California produce stand.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so amazing. I, th- th- what a good story. And also I think I get a sense of the name from that, right? Like you literally said it was like the wonders. Yeah.
1: Of- yeah. We that. actually um, want to create everyday wonders and um, for those undervoiced in our communities as well. And the wild wild wonder name did come from really the essence of um, the brand.
0: Wow. Yeah. That, I, I love the whole kind of concept behind it. It seems also like so unique and that like that probably comes partially from the fact that this literally stemmed from uh, the drinks that your grandmother made for you. Like nobody else can make something quite like your grandma does. Right.
1: Oh, no, no,
0: no one can make something quite like my grandma does. <laughs> <laughs> So, so based kind of on the idea of like, was it essentially tea? Like when you say she would, she would
1: make. Yeah. So um, herbal tea. Yeah. So she would, uh, to be honest, I don't even know all the ingredients that she would put in this tea. Um, Usually I just call it for simplicity, herbal tonic, herbal tea um, is caffeine free. And she would use all these, um, some obscure herbs that are really good, but some things um, are more accessible. um, Like. Alderberry, I know, you know, that's really good for immunity. And that's actually Mm -hmm. one of the ingredients we use in one of our flavors. Um, You know, everyone knows a little bit about Eastern herbal medicine now or Chinese medicine. We don't really, you know, um, our drinks aren't all about Chinese medicine. They're actually more um, gut health focused. So really focused in on the Botanicals that where we derive the prebiotics from and the probiotics. Um, but the philosophy really stemmed from herbal medicine. So, um, you know, deriving a lot of these functional benefits from herbs, plants, um, all sorts of botanicals.
0: Yeah, and I think I feel like so people kind of compare it mostly to either like iced tea or kombucha or things like that. But it really, I mean, I tried it, I I have had it and love it, and it really feels unique from. Thank you. Anything? Yeah. Else. Like it doesn't actually, seem like um, you're having kombucha or iced tea or anything like that. <laughs> that's actually one of the reasons um, I
1: created Wild Wonder. I noticed that a lot of people wanted to actually drink kombucha or the, um, wanted to get the probiotic benefits from kombucha, but they're not used to that vinegary taste. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, kombucha really also stemmed from, um, ancient like Chinese history as well. Um, and the, I would say, I, you know, I noticed, um, a lot of folks started to pay attention to their gut and appreciate gut health, um, but the fermented taste isn't really made for the mass market or the mm. um, I guess the average palate. So we wanted to create essentially this drink, it's we call it kombucha benefits without the vinegar, mm. um, with additional benefits. Um, it's actually the first drink to combine both crucial components to a healthy gut only in one can. Um, by that I really mean the prebiotics and the probiotics. So People are, you know, more familiar with probiotics nowadays. From, you know, all the fermented foods uh, or fermented drinks, um, they are the healthy gut bacteria. Prebiotics is actually the food for probiotics to thrive. So, um, just like you know, humans, we all need food to be productive. Um, Probiotics without the prebiotics, the probiotics actually aren't that effective. Uh Um, So, prebiotic essentially is fiber that we derive um, in our drinks from botanicals such as Jerusalem artichoke and chicory root. Um, So, both combined, um, it's a more holistic approach to gut health. Um, We also supplement our drinks with these super herbs like, you know, turmeric and ginger, anti inflammatory, really great for digestive health as well. So we worked with microbiome experts to really think more deeply about gut health and how to really have a more holistic approach. Um, and obviously the philosophy really came from my, you know, all the healing drinks from my childhood.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. I haven't heard much about yeah, like the the way that the prebiotics and probiotics work together, like it's as you said. I've heard a lot about how important it is to have the probiotics, right? And but not that. Oh, and also you need these. This other piece of it is going to make it like work a lot better. Mm-hmm. That yeah, important. So, and what is it like? I mean, I feel like again, also, you know, well, I mean, I guess what sounds like it's great and makes sense is that people have started to understand a little bit more about gut health. I feel like, you know, in, in the last several years, like that has become a, a bit more kind of, um, I don't know, mainstream or something like that. And like, we all know kombucha is good for us, but as you said, like not everybody loves it. Um, but it's kind of like, so now you've, you've sort of got like a built-in market there from people who are already kind of aware, but didn't yet have the products that they would like to actually drink, to, to, to kind of have those effects that they know that they kind of need or want. So you're able to come right in there with this and be like, Oh, but try this. It's actually going to taste good too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you on, um, just the overall awareness of, um, the importance of gut health. You know, 70% of Americans today have digestive issues and oh 90% of Americans lack fiber in their diet. Um, I, I think, you know, growing up, I always thought of fiber as something that, you know, my grandparents, uh, consume or mm-hmm. should consume, but really it's, it's so important for everyone's diet. Um, and, uh, and that's really feeding the, um, the probiotics, we don't consume enough vegetables. A lot of people are busy, so um, you know if we're not eating enough fruits or veggies, um, we actually supplement the fiber in our drink. So every can of Wild Wonder has five grams of fiber in there, and um, that's really the prebiotic source, and that's twenty percent of the recommended daily value. And uh, one other thing that I want to address that you mentioned um, was the just the overall. I think. Also, it, it goes back to why we started the drink. Um, you know, a lot of folks don't like the taste of kombucha, so we offer the approachable, more fruit, uh, fruit-forward flavors. And the other part is um, the sugar content. So if you are to look at mm-hmm. a lot of the drinks on the market today, um, I mean, sodas and juices obviously have, you know, way more sugar, like 40, 50 uh, grams in a bottle or can. Uh, even kombuchas have, you know, 15, 20 grams of sugar in a bottle. So, a lot of people, you know, they can't just chug bottles and bottles of kombucha because that's, you know, refined sugar is also inflammatory.
0: Yeah.
1: And people just generally want to eat less sugar nowadays. So, our um, drinks actually have 90% less sugar than soda and 50% less sugar than kombucha. Every can only has six grams of sugar. And then most of that actually come from you know, purees and juices, so very healthy. Um, And we um, really try to help people consume um, better products, you know, healthier uh, with more uh, functional benefits, but at the same time, delicious. So um, yeah, so I'm hoping to, you know, really make a dent in the industry and um, just get better products to everyone.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, no, I mean, I think that all sounds, it all sounds amazing and absolutely wonderful. And what I'm left wondering is like, how did you know how to do that? Like, how did you figure out like how to make a drink out of these things? Did you start like in your kitchen mixing <laughs> flavors together and be like, this is going to be good. Or like, how did you actually go from like, okay, this is something I want to do to actually getting these into cans and then getting cans into people's hands.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a long process. I, I, just like a lot of other entrepreneurs, I did start in my kitchen. So I'm a huge foodie. I love to explore different flavors. Um, I love to just cook, make things, uh, on my own. So I, um, when I first had the idea, I just, you know, bought herbs, plants and started brewing things in my kitchen. Um, yeah, and they just, you know, obviously the first iterations were not quite as delicious. I had all my friends try all of them. I mean, bless my friends. Like they <laughs> they had some pretty, pretty nasty drinks, um, but, you know, it's improved over time. And um, honestly, it was very difficult to start because I actually bootstrapped the business and I started on my own. I was wow. a solo founder and really a solo team because um, for the first two years, I um, just, grew the business myself um with no employee or team member. So I had to figure out a lot of things on my own, including, you know, uh the manufacturing side. So no manufacturer really wanted to work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was too small. Um, but you know, my first customer was actually um Square, the tech company. Wow. Um I started actually just sampling my drinks with some chefs and one of the chefs there loved it um wanted to actually um share my drinks in the office um at their cafes with square employees so they sent me my very first po and um, i took that and to a co-packer convinced them to work with me and it took a lot of convincing but you know they believed in me believed in the drink thought that it tasted good Um, so here I am. So I basically grew from there.
0: That's an amazing story. And wait, I want to back up for one more second too, because like, I feel like that's what people are always like wondering about is how did you find that first customer, right? Like where did that first connection come from? So when you say you were doing samples with some chefs and one was from square, that's what you said, right? Like somebody who worked at square, did you have like a friend of a friend who knew that person? Like, how did you actually reach out to these first people that you were doing these samples with or giving samples to? Um,
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in the early days, I just wanted everyone to try the product and um, give me feedback. And um, I just went to a lot of different sampling events, even at random events. I just offered to sample the drinks, um, one of the chefs, I swear, actually invited me to, um, I guess it was called a food show at the time. Um, Some of the tech companies actually host these food fairs where the the employees could select what they want to stock in their office, what they want to see in their cafeterias. So um, this is actually before I even had a product. So I was invited to this food fair that Square had um, and honestly i showed up and i saw all these big brands it was quite intimidating because i saw you know cliff bar and all the drinks and and, and um, snacks that you have heard of uh, that's national um owned by big companies and here i was um with literally just um these swing top bottles i bought from amazon to make the drinks at home i brought in a cooler with my my pre-made liquid with no label, but I did hand label one bottle just so Mm -hmm. it like looked legit. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And then I magically, um, (laughs) the employees actually voted for my drink, um, Mm -hmm. above everything else. So, um, they placed an order, they wanted the drinks, in the office. So I had to, you know, quickly figure out how to actually make the drinks, um, at large scale <laughs> and ship them. Um, okay. so that, yeah, so now that was, um, that was quite a stressful time period. It was exciting, um, because I had orders, um,
0: before I even had a product. <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, yeah, sounds stressful for sure, but also like the best possible scenario (laughs) you could have, right? Like, I feel like, you know, people do talk about like, you know, pre-selling your product before Mm -hmm. you, before you actually put down the money to create it or saying, you know, make sure that talk about making sure people are going to want it and making sure that there is that market like share there. That's incredible that they bought it before you really had made it. Did you have, how many, did you have all the flavors at that time or did you start? No,
1: I only had two flavors. So And honestly, um, now our flavors are so much better. I feel like if I had, um, sampled the current top seller, it would have been even more amazing, but you know, it's a work in progress. So, um, we started with a couple of flavors and we just expanded our flavor profile. We actually recently launched a new flavor, um, strawberry passion, which I think is the best flavor yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as the company grows, our products also improve over time because we're getting all these feedback, right. From our customers. Um, and we're constantly iterating our product to make, make them better.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so what was kind of the next step after you had this like big order, essentially you already were being uh, well selling to square. Where did you go from there? Did you try to get into stores or try to go to other companies? Like where did, how did you grow? I guess from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I
1: actually grew in a very different way. So traditionally when a lot of food and beverage entrepreneurs start, they'll go directly to the retail stores. They'll knock on these doors, you know, and then eventually get to a Whole Foods, um, or, you know, Safeway. Um, I actually found the retail channel to be extremely expensive and it was, um, they asked for a lot, right? So, uh, marketing support, slotting fees, um, demos. And I actually, picked a very different channel, I decided to be in food service. So for the entirety of the first two years of my business, I actually primarily focused on office spaces and cafes, Mm -hmm. um, just, um, because I, I saw this huge opportunity that a lot of people weren't paying attention to a lot of folks also consume, you know, a good quantity of, of food and beverage, um, in the office. And there's a very captive audience. They're staying there for you know eight hours a day. Um, and I'm not competing against hundreds of other brands. I'm only competing against 10 other brands for their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really the channel I focus on. Um, and I also, you know, bootstrapped the business. So I didn't really have the resources to tackle the retail channel. I wanted to build a brand first in, I guess a more um, frugal way, right? I was really focused on volume, but really focused on trialing the products with these offices. So actually I grew the business to, you know, servicing 300 of the most health conscious offices in the Bay area for the first two years. Um, And it was very healthy and it was, um, you know, there's not a lot of marketing spend, but there was a lot of volume. And when COVID hit in 2020, it actually, wiped out my entire business. So Mm -hmm. that was a really tough time. Um, you know, I had large POs going out to customers like Facebook and Google, but, um, you know, that entire food service channel shut down, um, for, for, I mean, almost two years, I guess over two years now. So I lost all my revenue streams. I, um, but I didn't just give up. Um, everyone was trying to stay safe while, um, accessing their groceries. So I pivoted quickly to retail and online. That's when I really enter the retail world. Nice. So in 2020, um, I, um, launched our D2C channel, um, literally just like within three months of, um, the pandemic just quickly, um, push forward with launching online. Cause I knew everyone was shopping online mm-hmm. concurrently. I like literally started knocking on grocery store doors and expanded to I think 200 stores within the first year. Okay. Um, yeah, so really, um, you know, it was a small team of myself and I had one employee at a time, so we worked really fast. Um, wow. we super yeah. scrappy. Um, and I, I, also knew I wanted to be on Amazon um, because Amazon is just such a large platform. Sixty-five mm-hmm. percent um, of all product searches start on Amazon, um, not Google. Amazon has, you know, three hundred monthly million monthly active users. So I knew that's where we want to be, but it's also such a beast. We just, with two people, couldn't tackle that. Um, on top of, you know, everything else we were doing, um, from retail sales, online sales and product development, we do all that in-house as well. Um, between me and my operations manager. So it's still just the two of you. No, it is now a team of five, including myself. Okay. So we have expanded. Um, but at the time, you know, in 2020, it was, um, yeah, it was two people and two of us just, um, producing the products, selling the products. Um, it was fun times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So wait, I want to hear, I definitely want to hear about how, like how you went about, selling, getting onto Amazon, like what, what you had to change or, or kind of like do to do, to make that like work for you guys. But I want to back up again for one second, because you kind of, you kind of glossed over just getting into 200 stores so quickly. And, um, and, um, what, what did you say before that too? Even like when the, and even just getting into how many, um, companies that you were selling at before COVID or selling at selling to being available to like you, as you said, you were scrappy. It was two of you. You were just Mm -hmm. on doors, but like what were you really doing? Like what, I mean, like, what, what did that take? Like, did you have like a, a printed out packet of like, here's my product or like, were you sending, how did you find who to reach out to? Like how, just give me, I mean, I know there's probably like, we could probably do a whole entire episode on like, how you did that, <laughs> but like, how did you make that happen? Was there one or two like main things that you were like, okay, this is how, what we're going to do. Or like work your way through a spreadsheet of like all these companies and, like, <laughs> reach out to a certain amount every day or what? what? what
1: was that? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I said, our first customer was square and then the second one was Uber. Um, so what happened with offices is once like the, um, the chef at one office saw that, you know, our drinks were really popular and people really wanted the drinks and they were selling well. Um, I think words just spread and Mm. other offices started asking for them, once okay. we're in distribution, meaning we have a distributor that goes to the offices and stock the drinks. So I am i wasn't personally, you know, hauling mm-hmm. the drinks in my car and uh, stocking the offices. I worked through distributors and who actually, similar to, you know, retail stores, there are distributors that go to the retail stores, drop off the drinks and stock the shelves. Okay. There are distributors that go to these offices and cafes that um, stock the shelves and um, they saw how well the drinks were doing and they started pushing the drinks to other, um, offices as well. So, um, and, uh, it was a team effort, right? So I was doing the sales. Um, I basically reached out to friends who worked at these companies and told them about my drinks and I sampled them with, um, the food and beverage managers or the chefs at different offices at the same time my distributors that, um, were already servicing, say a square or Uber saw that the drinks were doing really well and they started actually selling the drinks for me. So, um, you know, I think everything just snowballed from there. We grew, I didn't even know at one point I just felt like orders were coming in and I barely had a time to fulfill them. Um, so I was, you know, this is back when I was still working on a business myself, there's no one working on it with me. Um, so I was doing basically the manufacturing work um, with a co-packer. I was doing all the supply chain work, <clears throat> sourcing the ingredients to make the products. I was also doing the product development. So <clears throat> every three or four months, I would ask for feedback. I would um, improve the products. So every production run, I would tweak something right to mm-hmm. make the products better. Um, on top of that, I was doing all the, um, operational work, um, the sales and the marketing. <laughs> so it was a lot. So I could barely, you know, I mean, I was not doing anything that well. Cause I barely had time to do anything, um, aside from fulfilling the orders. Um, but you know, the business grew and you must have been doing um, it pretty well. I mean, <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, enough to,
1: than you <laughs> well enough to, to keep the, the business growing. Um, yeah. I definitely felt like I needed help and I needed more resources, um, to really build a brand. Um, and unfortunately, just as I was thinking about expanding the business COVID hit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really felt like, the entire business was gone. I had to start from scratch again. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you, already,
0: you had great product. You'd kind of gone through all that testing phase and tweaking phase. So did you feel like a little more confident in like, okay, at least the product is great. I know all these people already love it. And now I just need to figure out how to get it back in front of more people again.
1: Yeah, I definitely believe in the product. Um, I knew it was a very special product. And as um, I was thinking about next steps. Once all the you know previously built business was gone, um, Whole Foods in Northern California, which is where I am based, actually reached out and said, "Hey, you know we have um, two spots available. Um, heard uh-huh. about your product. Um, we want to stock you." So. Um, and that's when I literally only had two products at a time. So um, I was like, let's do this. And that's when we enter retail. Whole Foods was actually our very first customer. And then, um, so while we were focused on servicing Whole Foods in the midst of the pandemic, it was actually very challenging because, um, you know, uh, grocery store managers and just people working at the store level, um, they're risking their lives to do that, right? Like people weren't staying at home. I mean, most consumers were staying at home, but these people had to work, um, the floor and, um, a lot of supplies were, were not available. A lot of products were, um, basically just out and, um, it was hard to keep things on the shelf and it was hard to, um, basically like launch anything during the pandemic. Um, so we really worked hard. And checked up on each store. Uh, you know, I even went to the stores and helped people to stock the shelves. Wow. And uh, yeah, just grew from there. I basically knocked on doors, <laughs> uh, went around um, San Francisco, went around the entire Bay Area to just sell my products door to door. That's exactly how a lot of other food entrepreneurs start, I believe. And um, you know, d- during a time when a lot of folks were, you know, staying at home. Um, but it wasn't, it was good to actually, you know, see things in action and help support our retail partners, uh, on the ground mm-hmm. and concurrently, you know, as I mentioned, we also worked on launching the products, the products online to make sure that we are more accessible for people who don't want to go outside and shop at a grocery store.
0: Right. So, so that was, you mean selling directly through your own website, even before that's you- right. Yeah.
1: We, um, we built our Shopify within three months and launched it to just make the products more accessible.
0: Did you, f- have you found, or did you have any way of knowing <laughs> if like the people who worked at the companies, like if people who worked at Uber and square and Facebook or whatever, who were now working from home, were like going on the website to order it. If they were like, Oh, I used to drink this every day at work and I miss it. Like, do you have any sense of if, if those kinds of people became direct customers after that?
1: Yeah, we actually shipped a lot of products to people's homes directly because they they either, you know, used to, uh, to consume our products in the office um, or their offices. Yeah, like um, people actually reached out and asked for our drinks. And um, we worked with both just um, individuals. So if someone had reached out, um, we would ship them products. We also worked with offices um that used to stock us but are trying to take care of their employees at home so um some of these offices also sent in large orders um for us to just ship um all the (laughs) all the drinks we used to stock in offices directly to people's homes
0: wow amazing cool I have some exciting news about our PR bootcamp. If you haven't heard me talk about the bootcamp before, this is essentially a live and online course designed to teach you as the business owner to do everything I do at my PR agency on your own for your own brand. We've just changed the registration process from launching only a few times a year to now allowing registrants every single month so that you can join whenever you're ready to get started. We kick off on the first Friday of each month, a live workshop, and then you work on the videos and material on your own throughout the month with me and the group around all the time for accountability, questions, feedback, any of that good stuff and when you first get started you also hop on a one-on-one call kickoff call with me um, so we can set your strategy and figure out where you really need to focus and anything you need extra help on once you get started you also will then participate in the monthly group workshops every single month have unlimited email support and weekly check-ins from me and as a bonus we're including a feature article in quotable magazine on all new Bootcamp members And on top of the bootcamp program, you'll also have access to our private Facebook group, which is filled with like-minded entrepreneurs who are working on getting media coverage for their business too. I'd love to send you your welcome gift ASAP. So what do you say? Will you join me next month? I'll add the link to the show notes, but you can find more info at quotablemediaco.com or email me at alessandra at quotablemediaco.com if you have any questions at all. I cannot wait to do this with you. I mean, that's great. It sounds like you kind of did make out pretty well considering the situation with like thinking that your business was going to be totally gone when people shifted to home. So tell me though, what, uh, what were kind of those next steps then for getting onto Amazon and how has, has that changed the business? Was that huge in terms of your ability for to grow more and gain more customers? What was that like? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny.
1: Um, everything seemed so like smooth sailing, probably in retrospect, but at the time, it really felt like the world was crashing down. (laughs) Um, and I definitely felt like there was a lot of volatility in the business, also just like in the world in general. And it wasn't clear, um, where things were going. I just knew, Hey, we had to sell products. We want to just rebuild. Um, I knew I wanted to be on Amazon, just given how Amazing of a platform it is. Um, like I mentioned, most of the product searches start on Amazon. When people are on Amazon, they're already in the mindset to shop. So it's um, in order to be on Amazon, I knew that I had to get more resources. It was you know two people at the time, including myself. So I really had one employee um, to help me, and we were already taking care of multiple channels. So and every channel is it's kind of its own business and business model. Um, so I decided to um, raise money in 2021 to grow the business. Um, and also like one of the biggest lessons I learned during COVID was to really have more cushion. Um, mm-hmm. it, cash is King. I mean, I knew that from finance, um, it really, um, it's so important to have more cushion in growing the business people, because we just don't know what, you know, any external factors that's going to affect the business um, adversely, um, not within our control. Right. So, um, I decided to, and in order to really grow, we we do, we did need more resources and we needed a bigger team. So in 2021, I, um, went out and raised, um, $2.1 million, um, to support our growth. And after that we were able to actually launch on Amazon. So we launched on Amazon actually pretty recently, I would say late 2021. um, And honestly, I've been impressed by how much our online business has grown food and beverage food and beverage as a category. It isn't really like online channel isn't the best channel or has historically not been the best channel for food and beverage, especially beverage because of the weight, right? So um, it's a low price point item, um, but the shipping cost is very high. So um I was pleasantly surprised that online overall has actually become almost a third of our business so far. So and that's wow. combining D2C and Amazon and various online retailers. So I do think that a benefit that um the pandemic produced is accelerating the growth of online. And a yeah, lot of people sure. now um have built this habit of shopping online and that's not going away, and we're not returning you know, to more, I mean, there are definitely more retail shopping, but, um, people are so used to purchasing online now and, um, the presence of online shopping is going to stay.
0: Totally. I had never done like even just online, like even just like grocery delivery before COVID and yeah, I will never stop. Like now, <laughs> now it's all I do. I mean, I've gone into like a small, like a little small neighborhood grocery store. Yeah. I have, I, think I've gone into like, like the big one we have around here is stop and shop. I think I've gone in maybe one time. Yeah. 2020. And I just have no desire to ever do it again. And I love (laughs) grocery shopping. Like I'm not even one of those people who was like, like I know, some people never liked grocery shopping. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoy grocery shopping, but it's just so much more convenient to have things delivered online. Totally, And yeah. To pick things out, know exactly what you're going to get, know exactly how much it's going to cost. Like, not get all of the like random extra stuff I'll get like at the store. So, I, I mean, that's like you know for my general weekly groceries, but even for just kind of like one-off things like this, where it's like, if you're going to go right to Amazon to purchase a specific product. Like I I do more of that now too, because it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm already ordering groceries online too. Like, why not? I don't know. I I definitely could see that that's become a, just like a habit or something we're used to now that is not, it's like going to be really hard to ever change. And also like, there's no reason to change. Like I have no reason to stop doing
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) I I think there are so many, um, platforms that uh, allow people to get everything delivered. Um, People love convenience, right? So um, if I can just order on my phone and get the groceries in two hours, why drive to a grocery store?
0: Right, exactly. I mean, we're so lazy, but it's so great. It's... I was just talking about that with someone too. Like even how, yeah, you can get like something delivered from target within like an hour or something. And I'm like, but it will take me five minutes to drive to target and I could also have (laughs) it in an hour. But like my husband's like, no, it's okay. I already ordered it. (laughs) I do have to say
1: though, um, going to the grocery store, um, in 2020 when everything was shut down, that was actually my way of getting out of the house and, um, just, you know, like that was like my amusement park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was nowhere else to go. Everything was closed. So I actually really looked forward to going to a grocery store and doing my grocery shopping. Um, but I totally get the appeal of online shopping.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and again, you, I mean, not to keep making you go back, but you're glossing over all the things that sound like they would be <laughs> making them sound like they were like, the, oh yeah. And then we raised $2 million, right? <laughs> like, where did that come from? How did you know how to do that? Where, what, what can you tell me? And like, again, in like one sentence or two because I'm sure that could also be a whole another episode. <laughs> like, what, how did you go about that fundraising in order? And was that just because you knew you would need to have so much more stock on hand for Amazon that you knew you needed to kind of bump up to that next level of distrib- of like production or what was that thought process i guess yeah um
1: gosh i mean yeah that was um i would say i um knew that we needed more resources because we were growing and um honestly i just couldn't you know you can't build a business by yourself um, yeah, you need a, being a team so you know while i was you know covering um everything Function myself, I also knew that we could do so much better with a team. And we had a really good product, and we still have, you know, we now have a better product. Um, so I wanted to actually um, grow the business and share the products with more people in order to scale up our production runs, in order to um, sell to retail, sell to all these new accounts, and open more channels. We needed more resources. Um, And I also learned from COVID that, you know, I just need to get more resources in order to avoid um, all the hardships that came with COVID. Like the lesson learned was to, you know, build up more, uh, I guess, like financial stability from internally too. Mm -hmm. So we're now scrambling and, um, you know, we almost went bankrupt because our entire revenue stream was gone uh, overnight. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, um, I just knew in order to grow the business and stabilize the business, um, and, uh, I had to, I had to get more funding and honestly, I was quite scared to go out and fundraise because we had the previous year, we had lost all the revenue, right? So in 2020, that's when everything was wiped out and for me to go out to investors, I, I didn't know if i could tell the story hey we built up this really healthy business in food service and all these companies wanted our products because that was no longer um, around <laughs> yes. so it really felt like pitching a new business um but i think what investors appreciated was actually my resilience and resourcefulness during very challenging times and people believed in me, the team at the time and the product. So, you know, it was a really stellar product to begin with. Um, people are looking into gut health They they knew that gut health is really important and we have a great product, um, that offers so much more benefits. Um, and really, um, I would say there's a gap in the market where people are looking for this type of products, but you know, kombucha isn't Filling the need, um, and the sodas obviously is a very sugary. So this is a healthy drink that actually tastes delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people appreciate the product. People appreciate appreciate a, what I was able to accomplish, even you know, on my own and during the pandemic when, um, t- like the entire channel that we were in was shut down right. um, they and they appreciate the trajectory. Cause I was definitely growing at the time.
0: Right. You already had a proven product. Cause you could show mm-hmm. all these companies already loved it and were ordering it when they were there in the office. Mm-hmm. And don't they say like the first, the first round of funding is really more about investing in like the person or something, or like, like having to believe in the person themselves more than the company or the product. Yeah. creating mm-hmm. and you kind of showed, you kind of could show that, that too, that's your resilience and that you're making this happen. That's, I mean, that's amazing. So, so you got two, was it $2.1 million? That's right. fund Fundraised. Fund and that was just the end of 2021.
1: Yeah, that was fall 2021. And that, and after we had the funding, I was able to hire a team, um, expand our team. So, um, we now have, um, it's a team of five, including myself. I was also able to you know, launch into different channels and grow our distribution. I was able to grow our manufacturing as well. So before, you know, in order to, with manufacturing, you have to, I mean, prepay for some of the, you know, the costs, right? So it was hard for small businesses that don't have a lot of cash. Um, you know, before I raised money, I literally couldn't pay, I could barely pay my vendors without getting paid myself. So it was like cash in first and then cash out. And with the funding, we were able to actually commit to larger orders, commit to, um, larger production runs, um, and grow the business that way. And on top of that, we're able to actually support our retail accounts with more marketing, um, support our online channel with more marketing. So people could learn more about, you know, the products where we're were able to achieve more brand awareness, um, in all channels because of the additional resources.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it sounds like that makes things a lot easier once you have more money, especially for, for any product based business, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Did you do anything to celebrate the, that fundraising?
1: Um, Honestly, we barely had time to celebrate, but we, you know, celebrated with a team. Um, I took the team out to dinner, so, okay, um, I think it was all, um, you know, like with the additional resources, we were able to grow more. And I think we started, I mean, we really should focus more on celebrating, but we just started focusing we started focusing on the next milestone. Yeah. And, yeah, that's
0: what um, no, I think that's why I had to ask, I feel like <laughs> it's like, okay, here's this thing we've been working towards for several months or even years. And we, once you get there, it's like, okay, so now I can move on to the next thing and here's <laughs> what we can do, but I'm glad that you at least went out to dinner and stuff. Cause yeah. it's mean, a huge, that sounds like a huge accomplishment. Thank you so I wanted, I wanted to ask quickly, I know, um, as we kind of need to wrap it up, but I know that you do a 5% donation of, um, what of sales or revenue or something like that for, from your products. And I wanted to touch on that for a minute, cause that seems like an important piece of the business or seems like something that was important to you. Um, and I can always appreciate that when it comes to business. So where did you, how did you decide to do that? What are you what are you supporting through that what does that look like
1: yeah um
0: so you know
1: the essence of the wild wonder brand is really about uplifting being so at wild wonder our mission is to actually create everyday wonders and for those undervoiced in our communities um i feel very passionate about amplifying the voices of marginalized communities so we also partner with organizations who have similar missions i've always intended to use our platform not only to sell products but also to drive um, positive social change so as like a female and bipoc owned company um we see food as a powerful tool to bridge cultures to bring communities together and just to um yeah like help marginalized communities so we worked with a number of organizations it's not just one organization um we collaborate with organizations that. Um, have similar missions. So, I mean, since the pandemic, I believe we donated like over 10,000 units of our products to communities of need, including frontline workers in 2020, we donated a lot of products to hospitals um, when the hospital industry was hit the hardest uh, by shelter in place. We also partner with local bars and restaurants, in you know hosting virtual events to build social connection while supporting the hospitality industry. At the time, um, we worked with um, various organizations like Dying for Democracy to help um, rally people to vote. Um, we also recently worked with a nonprofit based in the Bay Area, which is also where we're based. is female-founded um, that amplify um, API designers and creators. So a lot of these collaborations um, usually either um, come in the form of a cash donation or a product donation.
0: Wow. That sounds, that sounds like a lot to be managing in itself too. I mean, that's a lot to be working with several, so many different companies and organizations like that, but that's definitely, um, I mean, I mean, I love that. I think that's such an admirable thing to be doing with your company, especially as you're still new and, and, and growing yourselves and things like that. But I think that's great. Um, so tell me what's one one thing that you wish you had known when you first began your business? That's something I ask everybody at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, if there's so, so many Wednesday. things
1: I wish I knew. <laughs> um let's see. I um I mean no one really knows how challenging it is to be a business owner you until you become one. Like we only hear about the success stories in the media, but not the minute details of the everyday grind. So I think they're mm-hmm. just um if I had known how to do manufacturing, how to do marketing, how to do sales, like my life would have been so much easier, but at the same time, you know, it is a journey that matters. So I would say the thing that I really appreciate the most right now is the value of my team and just having a team, having a network of, amazing founders as well that, and having a support system is super important. So if anyone were to start, um, uh, their entrepreneurial journey, I would say to make sure if, even if they don't have a team, um, have a support system and founders, mentors, friends that can share the burden. Um, not that they would necessarily do the business for you obviously, but, um, I think just having the mental and emotional support is really important. Um, I, um, you know, now I've become friends with so many amazing female founders, um, API founders, just founders in the food and beverage world. Um, and we all support each other. I think that is, um, that can not be undervalued. Um, it's so challenging to build a business and, um, there's just a lot of synergies from having people with um, different experiences, ideas, skill sets, um, and to you know share the challenges um, and also celebrate each other. So you know so we all hear about the network effect; it truly is valuable. Um, so even if you know you don't have a team, um, get get some get a network of mentors and um, friends to you know support you.
0: I could not agree more. That is that is literally where the uh, where this podcast came from. I started. Group, awesome. I started a group for female entrepreneurs because when I first started and had no team mm-hmm. and didn't know anyone else, I was like, I just need to like talk to other people. Like I needed that exactly what you just described. So yeah. I started like a like a physical group, like a get an in person group, Um, and then I was like, this needs to be shared with people. What if they couldn't come? What if they couldn't come to the like this coffee <laughs> lab? and so so I just right. started recording these conversations, and it turned into this podcast. That's awesome, so, and thank I, you for you know sharing the lessons from
1: other entrepreneurs as well, and you know creating this network and creating this platform uh, for people to you know take lessons from to learn from.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and thank you so much for being so open to sharing all of these things. And and yeah, I mean, that's exactly why I'm why I'm always like, go back and tell me the specifics. Like, how did you actually do that (laughs) thing? Because that's like that is what we all want to hear. I think that is the things that that some people are like, well, yeah, she did that. And like, I see these amazing companies, but like I would never know where to start, you know, like I think that's where so many people are at the beginning. And it's important to be able to hear. Oh yeah. She didn't know either. Like nobody knows, nobody knows how to do it before they try. Nobody knows exactly where to start. They just figured it out. Nobody had that experience until they actually did it. And that's what we need to kind of be sharing with people. I think is, is that kind of behind the scenes stuff. So is there any, any one other thing, any last other piece of advice or tidbit you'd want to share with other entrepreneurs before we say goodbye?
1: Um, I think one thing I would say is just uh follow your passion. I think it's so important to um, you know, life is short. It's important to spend time on the things that we feel passionate about. And it's so challenging to build a business. So I definitely would recommend to do it in the area or on a product that you truly feel passionate about. Um, that's how we get through the tough times.
0: Oh yeah, that's so good. Oh, thank you so much. This was oh, thank you for having me. Tell people how they how they can find Wild Wonder first of all if they want to order it online or whatever um, and how they can maybe connect with you if you're open to that as well. Yes. Like
1: yes, definitely follow us um at Drink Wild Wonder. so our social media handle is always at Drink Wild Wonder. We're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, um, and um, the website is drinkwildwonder.com. You can also find our products on Amazon. I would love um, for everyone to connect with us on social and ask questions. Um, we would love to help you, you know, either on your entrepreneurial journey or on your journey to better gut health. We have a lot of people uh that come through the community who are either um looking for gut health products, have you know, maybe digestive issues, or are actually looking for alternatives to, for, to um, reduce their alcohol. So
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: funnily enough, um, the sober curious and sober living community um, is also very, um, very engaged with our products because of the the taste profile and the botanicals and the herbs and the fruit. So um, if anyone is looking for products to help with their journey to, you know, be either sober, be, you know, to have better gut health, uh, reach out and we would love to connect.
0: Oh yeah. 100%. We didn't even touch on that. It's like it's <laughs> alternative because it does, it has that kind of that whole vibe. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, We'll definitely make sure that people check that out. Um, I'm going to order some on Amazon because that sounds so easy. And I definitely (laughs) want more. Um, Thank you so much for coming on today. Seriously, it was so, so good to get to talk to you. Yeah, I had so much fun talking to you. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, join our Facebook group by searching female millennial entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.